RadCooney.com. I'd like to welcome to the show singer-songwriter and lead guitarist and founder of the band Ruby Topaz, Mr. Mark Bram. I appreciate you joining us tonight, brother. No problem, Brad. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. Now, right over the right away, the first thing I hear is, new, is either a Jersey or a New York accent. No, actually, I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. Wow, you usually get it right. So you're from a little bit farther up north, a little farther north. Yeah. Than New York. Yeah, and you know, I say that a Island accent is like an English accent because they say no, park the car, mm -hmm. and we say park the car. And by the they can't. Yeah. Whereas Boston's Ireland, because in Boston they go, have a glass of water. And in Boston they go, have a glass of water. So there you go. Exactly. But, I, I know a guy, um, I know a Providence fighter named Peter Manfredo. He's retired now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Peter. I went to high school with him. Oh, there you go. Well, I know his dad and I know Peter as well. You probably know Peter Manfredo Sr. Because yep, Junior yes. was a lot younger. Yep. Yep. Um, I know yep. his dad as well. And I also know a guy who has a... Uh, a boxing gym up there, Roland Estrada. His son was the Olympian, Jason Estrada. Do you know where, where it is? Because I pass a lot of these places. I, I, you know what? I, I've actually been to that gym in Providence, but I couldn't tell you in a million years how to get to it. It's, it's been like 10 years since I've been up there. But it is in downtown yeah. Providence. And I remember it's a, it a big two-story brick building, huge. Huge okay. building. Okay, all right. Yeah. I don't. That's not the one I'm thinking of. All right. Um, so before we get into your to your new music, well, actually, it's older music that's been in in, in the in the in the vault for a while. This is really cool. We'll talk about more of that in a minute. But tell the listeners a little bit yeah. about you, about how you first got into music. You've been doing this for quite a while. Kind of bring us up oh, to yeah. speed on how it all happened and and when. Okay. Well. Honestly, the, the focal point, I was six years old. This is going to sound like everybody in the musician you ever talked to. <laughs> I was six years old, sitting on the floor, watching Ed Sullivan, hoping I'd see Topo Gigi or the little Italian mouse come on. <laughs> and on comes these four guys that blew my tiny little mind. Beatles. The Beatles yeah. blew my mind. And especially Paul. There was just something about Paulie with his musicianship. And I went, that, that's what I want to do. And I was so enamored, and Beatles became my life. And I was so into the British invasion that when I was nine years old, my father took me to see Herman's Hermits at the Rhode Island Arena, which doesn't exist anymore. And the opening band comes out with this cool clothes, flashy clothes, and they uh, destroyed their equipment at the end, and it was the whole doing oh the tour of my generation and yeah. stuff. So I was like, whoa. And then my cousin went to Boston to see a band at the Boston Tea Party. Brand new band. She thought I'd like him. She brings me the first album, and it's Zeppelin's first album. Jeez. And it's like, all right, I'm going to quit playing bass and singing like Paul. Now I'm going to play guitar and sing high. Yeah. And that went in that direction. And then my mother, who was lost my father, I love my father, she bought me John uh, McLaughlin's uh, Birds of Fire, my Snow Orchestra. And it was like, oh, I don't have to play blues-based riffs. I could just lose my mind and do whatever I want. So I just went the fusion route, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the next thing was my drama. Well, I was really into the glitter rock thing. I had met Alice Cooper when I was 15 years old and thought I was in a band. I got into the hotel. We partied. And I was, like, selling to Alice Cooper because they, that, the killer tour, somebody took, gave me free tickets and that blew my mind because I was in the theater. Oh, I can, I love vampires. I love theater. I love music. 
this is cool. So I was in that direction. And the whole Glitterock scene, Ziggy Stardust, Samantha Hoopa, speaking at the Samantha Hoopa. And I'd seen them twice. And then my drummer was going to see them a, a third time. But Mick Rouse, who quit the band, they had Ariel Bender in. And there's some stupid sense of loyalty. I went, oh, I'm not going. Mick Rouse isn't in the band. So my drummer went. And he sees the opening act. It blows his mind. He brings me the album. It's Queen. Oh, and at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm experimenting with two tape recorders trying to build a guitar orchestra. And Brian May was already doing it. And that sound was like so in my head. And then later on, I'd seen Queen a bunch of times at the racist tour, the world, jazz. And, and I was waiting outside of the Civic Center with my pig nose hand with my guitar. I'm a teenager. I'm jamming my ass off. The limo pulls up. I'm face to face with Brian May. He's bopping and smiling and giving me the thumbs up. And he opens the door. He's going to go out and talk to me and security, close the door, and motion them into the arena so I didn't get to see him. Oh, but in the 90s, when they were touring with the innuendo uh, promo, I got to meet him at HJY where they used to play our records. And I gave him my tape, and we were talking about him producing a second album. And then Freddie died a couple of weeks later, and that never happened. Mm -hmm. So when I was dating my wife, she, she's in the kitchen. She goes, Why do you have a picture of Brian May's ass on your kitchen table? I go, Because that's my tape in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that, man. Um, yeah, so that's quite a quite a way to break into the music scene. All those legendary bands and, and um, that I, I, I'm I'm 57 years old, so I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about as far as those bands. And um, so so um, when did you pick up guitar? Like right after you saw the Ed Sullivan show? Is that when you got your first guitar? Or like no, how no. long? Well, well, you know, it's usual how parents never listen to you. Like, when I want to be Paul McCartney. I want a bass. And they want me a drum set. Ah. And so I dabbled the drum set, but I want a bass. And then they bought me a guitar. And they said, oh, we'll take a lesson. So I tried to teach you how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and I was over it. So I dropped the guitar. And then, I, as I said, I've done acting, and I, I do accents. I mean, like, you know, Liverpool. Sometimes it's questions all the time. I said, the Nazis, my Scotland is a bro, totally. So it goes up and down like that. I see fool people from England, and they go, oh, I bet you got some friends in common. No, nah, no, nah, I bet you we don't. No, really? How long have you been So I do that, and I did this, the cock, you know, like, I think I'm on my today. You know, like, Michael has an album. Yeah, but you're not passing out. Mm -hmm. So I do all these different dialects, and I wound up walking into an audition for Oliver, and I got the Alpha Dodger because of the accent. Nice. And the adults were played by people from Trinity and Barker Playhouse, and then they had the Philharmonic Orchestra. And when I was in it, I met this guy who's a few years older than I was, and he was a big Beatle freak like I was. And I was like, oh, man, I want to be like Paul McCartney. I want to bass. So he drew out the neck of a bass, and he drew all the, no the names of the notes. I said, memorize it. We'll get together. So I memorized it. Then we go to his house, go up to the second floor. We sit on these amps, just like the room where John and Paul used to write their stuff. And we the little white curtains and was sitting across from each other and he was like Lennon and I was like the young McCartney and he's calling out the notes and I'm playing it and we're playing Beatles stuff and then we formed a band and I did all the Paul McCartney parts but when they left because uh, we didn't have a rhythm player I would pick up their guitars and I'd get a chord book and I taught myself how to play guitar and then when Zeppelin came on I went I'm playing lead mm -hmm. and I switch there it is. yes sir all right, a um, lot to get into, and I want to make sure we get all your stuff in here. Um, the new, the new. Let me let me make sure I don't get this out of order. Okay, so the new record when I when I read about it, it's called Rabbit Hole. Um, yep. 
and I also read that this is stuff that you've had, you've written like a long time ago, and it's just, you just wanted to kind of get it back out there. So tell me about, and it's also the single I think I heard is a self-title. Is it is Rabbit Hole also? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's a great song. And what I love about the song, too, is I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I play a little guitar myself. Not as good as you, yeah. but but I do play guitar, and I love the transitions in this song. It's a lot of cool okay. different changes, some tempo changing, and really cool transitions. But tell me about the backstory. Like what's, what's, what's the song about? Um, tell my listeners more, more so than me um, okay. about the song. Well, first of all, the album's got songs that, number one, was, let, let me backtrack a little bit. We got a record contract in 19, first of all, we got a record in 1982. We sent it out to Europe, to everywhere, to all the magazines, to everything. Yep. It got written up in, in Kerrang! magazine. I, know, I saw that. You know, issue with uh, Phil Collins on the cover, and we were in the singles review with Bloy Stacol and Rolling Stones and Metallica and Roger Daltrey as an equal. And they said we were reminiscent of early the Zeppelin and it had amazing guitar and he'd love to see a live gig. So we got some really good press from that. And it wound up being on Alice's Restaurant FM, which was a pirate radio station like they made the movie about on the ships over there. Mm -hmm. So they used to play us on pirate radio and we were on a radio station in you know, France with a million listeners in Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, the whole bit. So we had all that stuff. And then we got a record contract with Azure Records. And uh, we were set, we did the album, I self-produced that. I spent a ton of money on this thing. It was awesome. And then right be before, I get this thing from the guy. Oh, we decided to release it with a black cover. I go, what are we, Spinal Tap? I said, we're a glam band. You have to have pictures. What are you talking about? And I had some, uh, the, the guy was a private eye. Just some reason. The guy was kind of losing it, like nervous breakdown stuff. He was splitting from Ironworks, all this other stuff. So the company went under before they released the record. And then we were going to record the second album. We started recording that, and, and the first one wasn't even released. And then we hooked up with the production manager from Motley Crue, and he was our manager, and he hooked us up with Rich Linnell, who with Bill Simmons was one of the managers of the Doors. Mm. And he was going to handle us, and we was going to get a contract with Freddie Wilkes from, uh, I think it was Electra Chrysalis, uh, what was his favorite record, and he was going to uh, hook us up. And then the guy... May he rest in peace with Molly Kruka. Went on a cocaine bend to Canada. We couldn't find Rich. Rickenkutz couldn't find us. By the time we hooked up with Rich again, Freddie was working for Drive Records and he couldn't do anything for us anymore. Mm. So all these songs were recorded and weren't released. So I re-recorded a lot of them for this record. And I had a lot of new songs that I recorded. So the song Rabbit Hole, the song Rabbit Hole was about my wife. Uh, my wife's 24 years younger than I am. It's a, I used to be her martial arts teacher. Mm -hmm. It's about our relationship. You know, she was young. It was, who knew, you know? Um, but the cool thing about it is I used all the same recording techniques, instrumentation, and everything as 1966 Revolver. Okay, I used uh, U-47 microphone into a red preamp. I used a one, two, three, four compressor, all hardware, uh, two BQs. Then I went into into my computer and I used the Fairchild and the and the desk and all that other stuff. I uh, recreated the UL the UL 730 amp they used on Revolver and Sergeant Prepper by the um, 
Dr. Robert's pedal, which is the exact circuitry front end of that amp, because it was a hybrid amp, solid state front end, tube back end. I ran into my Helix and used a, a, a simulation of the tube back end and the speakers that were used there. And I used the casino guitar and the SG that was used on that, like Cashman and that stuff, on that era stuff. So the backless guitar, the sitar, it is an absolute homage to Revolver. Hmm. One question I have is, what was the trigger that wanted you to re-release all this stuff? Was there a moment, like you said, I want to, you know, what, what happened? What, what was the thinking behind that? Well, the thing is, we played out and it was in our set, and nobody could buy it. Ah. You know, okay. and it's like, what the hell, man? We got to get this stuff out. It's good. And you know what? I love the studio. I have gear. I can't even tell you. I got an A-range uh, Sound Technique's A-Range channel strip, which is what was in Trident Studios before they built their own A-Range. And everybody thinks it's the Trident, but the stuff like Ziggy Stardust and T-Rex and Hey Jude and, and uh, Mark the Hoop, a lot of the bands, was the Sound Technique's A-Range. And I was talking to Danny White, who bought the company, and I was one of the 50 people that got the limited edition of that, of that channel strip. So I have that. I got Helios channel strips which was an Olympic, was we're talking Zeppelin 1, Black Sabbath, you know, I've got some great equipment. And, and the studio to me is like painting pictures with sound. I've always said that. It's like these things are my palette and my songs and the production are the brushes. And I just love it. I could live down here. It, it, me and my cat, we live down here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, what, what, what do you prefer more? Do you prefer creating a song or do you prefer... Do you prefer performing the song once it's created? See, that's that's tough because I like them equally. Uh, I love the creative process. I love the problem solving when you're trying to get the, the listener to be able to hear every instrument. And I have very dense mixes. And I'm deaf in my left ear from when I was a baby. I don't ever remember hearing out of two ears. And, you know, as I've gotten older with allergies and stuff, I get fluid on my ear. It's tough. So I'm working at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So I'm really working to get that sound. But when you play it live, the joy of just soaring and playing guitar and singing and getting the energy back from people who like it. I don't care if it's one person or or thousands it's that rush of knowing somebody digs it and feeling that energy back yeah it's a great answer um 14 songs did i read that right on this on this record yeah yeah that's good stuff too that's so that's a good that's that that's a throwback right there when i was when i was you know my teenage years the first thing i would do when i look at an album other than look at the you know the front of it and the back we'll see how many see how many how many songs are on it it was one of the first things yeah. I, I missed that too. I missed the days of having records, vinyl. Um, yeah. You know, you opening know up. I, it, it, I, I, the CD, if you see the actual CD, you will freaking love it because it's a throwback. You open it up, it's got a booklet inside. You got the lyrics? Tons of pictures. One of the things I loved about opening records, like the albums back in the day, was like like looking at the lyrics. Like I was I was part of Kiss Army, man. You know, like like I know, and, and I used to love getting Kiss records, man, because there was always that great shit in their in their albums, all kind oh, of cool man, stuff. Oh man, they were such a band to my existence because you know I was so into Alice Cooper, and again we were wearing the makeup and stuff since since the Alice Cooper since like seventy one, seventy two. Yeah. People go, oh, you're copying Kiss? No, we did it before Kiss. Yeah, for sure, that's true. Yeah. Kiss, Kiss did yeah. not. They, 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 they're not the original people with the makeup. That's right. for sure. 
Um, now everybody's wearing nail polish, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the only one, you know? Yeah, yep, yep. I remember when we used to play, we were playing gigs with Extreme, and I get so mad because, again, I was with a nail polish. We were all flash. We were all glam. No, no, didn't. And then all of a sudden, he's on TV, he's got nail polish, and I go, damn. Yeah, he <laughs> you know? stole the thunder. The Extreme is a great band, yeah. too. What, what a... Great, they put out some great music back in the, in the 90s. Yeah, we, we did shows with them, yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, all right, so you mentioned Kerrang! Magazine, too. When I, when I, when I was reading your, you know, researching you, reading the, reading the bio, I used to get yep. Kerrang! Magazine religiously. I didn't miss an episode, and I miss that, too. Really? I miss having those kind of, yeah, Kerrang! Yeah, we were at Kerrang! We were in Metal Forces. We were in Middle West Militia. We were in Art Shock. We were in all those magazines. That's good, man. That's good shit. Um, yeah. So, what's the goal? I mean, you got the okay. Obviously, you're promoting this song and the record, Rabbit Hole. Yeah. What? Yep. What? What are? What? What are some goals you have for for 2023? We just we just kicked off the new year. So, what is the plan? Yep. Like, what's, what's what's the goals going forward for this year? Okay, I really like to. Uh, I wanted to. I gotta get. Look, it's so busy, but I wanted to get some videos out there because I've been doing a lot of videos for Line Six. I'm a big promoter of Line Six Helix, and I do a lot of demos of uh, stuff, getting showing, doing Queen sounds, doing stuff like that. Because best piece of gear I ever bought, and I get. I got a huge rig, dude. I got a five foot pedal board with four guitar synths on it, and my Helix, and a bunch of little pedals. I go into two uh, two twelve power caps set up like a stereo four twelve cab and two flown uh, L two uh, T powered speakers that handle all my guitar synths, acoustics, and reverbs and stuff like that. So uh, I got a huge rig, and I'm going to get out there and play again. Um, I'm also we had a uh, when I went got back. I went to this messy divorce, and I got custody of my kid, and they were holding the touring against me. So I had to like give it up for a while. And when I went back in and started recording again, we released an album called Mark Bram Ruby Topaz again. Which is basically saying, I'm Ruby Topaz again, I'm back. And mm -hmm. it was an awesome record, but I recorded it myself on, on, before I had all the great gear I have on a Yamaha AW4416 digital porter studio kind of thing. Uh, but the, it came out really good, and I really liked it. Uh, so uh, my song's at Massey Abbey Road by Christian Light. He's an awesome guy, and I'm, I've been working with him since the early 2000s. And, um, He's remastering that for me. So we're going to have a 22nd anniversary remaster of the Mont Graham movie Topaz again record, which will be coming out. I want Rabbit Hole to breathe a little bit, but he's already, he already mastered it. There were some corrections I gave him yesterday. We did his Zoom and run to London, and he's fixing a couple of things, and that should be done like next week. But I'll keep it in the can until Rabbit Hole breathes a little bit, yeah. and then we're going to release that. So that's what that's what the bio was talking about as far as the early 2023 release, what, what you were just talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's good stuff. And you and you mentioned live performing, and I mean nothing's better for, in my opinion, than than a, than a live band. Um, yeah. I just enjoy the hell out of going to shows. I don't go to as many now, but but my hearing's got jacked up a little bit from yeah, yeah. <laughs> from all the shows that I went to when I was younger. You know, this whole this whole war in Ukraine really screwed stuff up for me because. Yeah. 
Putin's a jerk. But anyway, my wife is from Russia. She came here when she was 10. Oh, okay. And her father's in the restaurant business, and he still does business over there. And before all this stuff happened, he was going to promote me over there. Because oh. he's got a ton of connections. But then all this stuff happened. So yeah, that's that fine. That sucks. Yeah, that, that Ukraine thing is a d shit show, man. Uh, Jesus my Christ. My wife is so bummed out. She's like, I'm from Russia and I'm ashamed to say it now. Yeah. Like, she's so upset with what they're doing. I did a, um, I've interviewed, there's a Russian, your, your wife might know who this is. It's a, it's a Russian singer. Her name is Diana Nkudanova. She's an amazing, uh -huh. unbelievable singer. She's only about 20, early 20s now. I did an interview uh -huh. with her. I needed a translator and a whole nine. Um, but she's in Russia, and, and, and her career is really about to take off. She's about to go international, and then this bullshit happened over there in, in, in Russia, and it put, put the brakes on her career for now. Thankfully, she's still very young, so she, this, this whole war won't go, for, go on forever, but it impacted yeah. her greatly, you know. Um, yeah. She's an amazing singer. I think, I think you'd be blown away if you ever heard her sing. She's pretty amazing. I'm sure. There's a lot of good people out there. Look, man, a lot. Most of the Russian people aren't down with this shit. There, there's, there's a lot of them that are not down with. Even when yeah. I got married, my band played at my wedding because the DJ was an idiot. Yeah. We were supposed to play a couple of songs, and then we wound up slamming. And you know, it, you're doing a thing. So yeah, that's your originals. But we reached deep back, and we did "Heartbreak" by Led Zeppelin. We yeah. did uh, "It's Late" by Queen. We did uh, uh, "All Right Now" by Free. We did "Paperback." Right? We did a bunch of stuff. And when we played. Uh, heartbreaker and let me say when I do Zeppelin it's note for note but with the emotion as though I wrote it myself but it's just like the record and every reverb we do how many more times every reverb and and echo and delay that's on the record I do live so we go to the lead and you have to see the Russians rush close to the stage to watch me play the lead to see if I yeah. did it right Russian and they were like they were loving it. It was so cool. Russians love metal and hard rock. They're huge. They're, they're, they're big time. And Beatles. Beatles yeah. changed their whole culture. They used to get these records they called Bones. People would smuggle in records on x-rays. They would, um, like, uh, uh, the lathe, they'd put it into the, they'd carve it into the grooves of that, and you didn't know it was a record. Mm -hmm. And then they would get the Beatle records, and they would, and if they couldn't translate, they made up their own lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you heard that band? They're, they're a young band out of Michigan. They, they sound a lot like Led Zeppelin. They're called Greta Van Fleet. Have you heard them? I heard the name, but I haven't heard them. When you listen to them, you're a throwback guy like me. You're probably going to get a little irritated at them at first because they do sound a lot like Zeppelin and Zeppelin, and they do steal a lot of like the Zeppelin riffs and a lot of the, the singer. But some of their newer, like they just released a new record not too long ago, and it's, it is they kind of found their own their own way now. But they're an amazing yeah. band because what I love about them is they're a true rock band. They're not some of the crap yeah. that's out now. They're, they're, they're a throwback. They're like, they're a bunch of hippies. They're only about 22, 23, 24 years old. Uh, but they're really like, they look like they're right out of the 70s. And they write some the really only, good shit. The newest band, and they're not new. But the newest band I ever get into, because I'm, I'm so busy, I'm really not listening to music out there. But when I saw a picture of this guy, I went, holy crap, this guy looks like Freddie Mercury's kid. And it was the Struts. And I yeah, went, I love them guys. 
Yeah, they're awesome, Miss Price, man. They have a, their own. Yep. It just inspired me to, to bring back Ruby, to really lean on my Ruby Topaz yep. character. Because I'd been glamming it before this guy was a thought. Yeah. And I really liked their stuff. It was very catchy. I love Cheap Trick and Beast. I grew up in the pop of the 60s, the Fifth Dimension and Grassroots. Yeah. And in fact, uh, um, we have a couple of bonus tracks on the 2002 remaster. And one of them is this live thing we did. We did Temptation Eyes by the Grassroots roots into 25 or 624 by chicago and all the horns i played on guitar with the guitar synthesizer nice very nice all right bro let's really see i'm looking at my notes i want to make sure we don't miss nothing so we talked about the the record and the, of course the self-titled single uh rabbit hole um we talked about live performing i'm going with my notes because i always I hate when I finish an interview and then I'm like, damn, I forgot to ask that. So if there's anything yeah. that I did not get to that you want to get promoted that I skipped, tell me now before we wrap well, this I'm thing gonna up. Be, I'm going to be releasing a couple more singles off the record to just for grants, just to have something else coming out. That yeah. I'm probably going to do D-Song, probably going to do You're Still Running, and then I'm going to do something softer like uh, Be My Love. That's another thing about the record that people should know. This is a throwback record, like the Beatles, like Queen, yeah. like in the Rex, and, and the fact that it's not cookie cutter. There's ballads, there's jazzy, there's bluesy, there's hard rock. There's, it, it's, it brings you, it's, it's this journey. I mean, come back to me, it's like the who meets country. You mm. know what I mean? It's got all these different styles in there. Because I listened to a lot of diverse stuff growing up. So that's in there. Yeah. When I, the first thing I, that came to my mind when I, when I played the song and that's another thing. Whenever I, I've interviewed literally a thousand, over a thousand different musicians in my interviewing career, um, and yep. sometimes I'll be honest with you. Um, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes, Mark, I'll get some stuff that I have to, you know, I have to interview an artist, and I'll listen to the song, and I'm like thrown up in my mouth. It's horrible. Oh, God. but I still respect. I mean, but I have to do the interview because you know the band paid for the marketing, so I have to do the interview. Yep. And I respect any artist that gets out there and tries it. But some of it's garbage. Um, I get mostly good stuff, but some, well, sometimes it's just awful. But when I heard your song, within seconds, like, yep, I, I, this guy's been doing this. I can tell he's been doing this shit for a while. And I got a real good 70s feel from, from, from Rabbit Hole, which I love 70s yeah, music, man. rock. And that's Brad, that makes me feel so good, honestly. Really good, but it's true. It's true, right away. I went right why back you to make music. You make music to connect with people. Yeah, for Have sure. your music connect with people, then hopefully maybe you get to talk to them at some point and connect with them. I love meeting people. I'm yeah. a people person. For sure. Me too. I can tell you are too. All right, man. Um, before I let you go, I had a fun time talking to you. You're welcome back to the show anytime. Um, tell everybody out there where they can learn more about your band and where they can get your music and where they can follow you on social media the whole nine. Okay, uh, I'm not on social media because okay. uh, I don't want to offend anybody. No worries, man. Yep. Uh, but I have a website, www.rubytopaz.com. And if you go to the photos page and you click on different photos, uh, years, you'll come up with photos from those years. So there's some really whack makeup photos from the 80s. Um, I've also got a bunch of videos on there, the Line 6 demo stuff. Stuff going back to, the, to 85 with the makeup. And there's some uh, film student did a documentary on it. That's on there. Uh, you can, it's on Spotify. You can buy it from Amazon. You can buy it from B 
Bandcamp. And if you buy it from Bandcamp, not only, and you buy the CD, not only do you get the CD, if I'm not mistaken, you also get the digital download with that. So uh, you can get it those places. And it's anywhere you buy music, you can find this, because I went to CD Baby, and they put it everywhere. Nice. All right, man. Well, Mark, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Best of luck in the 2023 year. Great music, too. Um, I'm going to support your, your music because I, I liked what I heard on the first song, so now I want to hear all of them. So I will be Thanks, getting your Brad. stuff. I appreciate it. And, you know, you got my number. If ever you're short or you need to talk, you want to talk about anything, I'm here. I'm good, cool. Good deal, man. I appreciate that very much. Have a great night, and I look forward to having you back on, bud. Thanks, man. Have a great one. You too. Take care, man. Thanks. All right. Yep. Bye. Bye.